Hi, my name is Kevin Vondro, Chief Lending Officer at Westfield Bank and host of Sharing Knowledge. What is DE&I and how can your business transform its culture to be more diversified and inclusive? Watch the latest episode of the Sharing Knowledge series to learn more. Well, thank you for joining us here today. Today, we're talking about a very relevant topic in today's work environment, and that's diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I have two guests joining me here today. First, we have Robert D. Jornet, who is the Vice President of Opportunity and Inclusion with the Greater Akron Chamber. So thank you for joining us here today. Our next guest is Julie Brandle, founder and president of Metis Construction Services. So why don't, uh, Robert, we'll start with you. Why don't you give us an introduction about yourself, uh, your background, and we'll go from there. Well, thanks for having me here today. This topic is something that's near and dear to my heart. And um, I have, I'm the vice president, as you said, for opportunity and inclusion for the Greater Akron Chamber. It's a relatively new role. I've been in existence about two and a half years. Uh, Previously to my role at the chamber, I was uh, fortunate to work most of my career at Summa Health as the director for, or the system director for community relations and diversity. Uh, I am uh, passionate about this topic. I'm also a pastor as well, so I pastor a church. Uh, I serve on many boards in the community, family man, but I just really feel called to this type of work. Great, and thank you for joining us here today. Julie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, thanks for having me, Kevin and Robert. It's so good to be here with you today. My name is Julie Brandle, president and founder of Metis Construction Services. We're a female-owned commercial general contractor located in Kent by working all over Ohio and contiguous other states. So we've just expanded over the last couple of years with some clients. And um, this is important work to us. Uh, it's important at Metis and it's important in our communities. And um, it's it's uh, it's exciting to be with you here today. So well, thanks. Good. Well, thank you for joining us. So diversity, equity, and inclusion, as, as I mentioned, is a very relevant topic, and it's it's very broad when you think about it. So in, in defining it, why don't you help us define that and what you guys, how, how both of you see diversity, equity, and inclusion? First, we'll start with you, Robert. Okay. Well, that's a great question because depending on who you ask, you'll get a different definition. But the definition I like to use for diversity, uh, equity and inclusion, first diversity, it's like differences, right? Um, There's various differences. And there's a chart that with the diversity wheel, it shows that, you know, there's different aspects and dimensions of diversity, whether it's individual diversity, personal diversity, or organizational diversity. Then you have equity. Equity, in, in my words, would be where do you give supports to make it equitable? So you would give supports where some are disadvantaged. So that's bringing more equity, different from equality, because equality, everything is equal, but equity, you have to give certain supports. And inclusion is when you can bring your whole self to wherever you are, right? Do you feel included? I always say that diversity is the mix and equity makes, I mean, inclusion makes the mix work. Okay, great, thank you. Julie, what's your thoughts? I think Robert is right. I think it helps to break it down like that. And even more in a simplistic way is, is it's not Webster's dictionary diverse, you know, diversity is this definition. It's, it's more of a holistic approach, like how you do your business, how, how you um, interact with others, how you want to help other people interact with you. And so I think, um, I think it's, it seems so simple, but it isn't. 
and so that's why we're here today, right, to talk about that. Yeah, definitely. And, and Robert, you brought up a, a good point. Um, you know, equality is not equity, and there's there's definitely a, a difference in that. Uh, I don't know if you want to expand more on that. Yeah, well, equality, all things equal. You treat everyone exactly the same. And when we talk about equity, you can't treat everyone the same because everyone doesn't start at the same place. Everyone doesn't have the same advantages across the board. So you will give those supports to kind of equal everything out when you provide equity. And, you know, there's a um, icon with the three people on the fence. Right. And then you have one who's tall, don't need a support, one who's not as tall, need a support. And then you have one that's really short that needs a couple supports and they're looking over this fence. And then uh, equity is when you give those supports to make the pl playing field level so everyone can look over the fence. But the real deal is how do we remove the fence so everyone is equal? So I know we're going to talk more about that today as well. No, I, I think you're right, because a lot of times people think about diversity, equity, inclusion. It's, it's about race and gender. But it's not, and I think the equality is really that key that that separates that, and and, and how you need to think about that. That really uh, came to heart for myself is is when we were going through one of our training sessions, and and they showed a, a picture similar to that. But it was it was a it was a bicycle. It was, mm -hmm. it was they were given everyone was given out the same type of bicycle to ride, but you had people who had different capabilities, different heights and and really what what the uh the equity piece is, is is building something that will allow someone to be successful um based on their capabilities mm -hmm. and, I, and i really think that's really the focus when you think about diversity equity inclusion and you said it best when it's not just about race and gender right yeah. it, there are other mitigating factors in that so people with different abilities lgbtq plus all of those communities and and even more so i mean age um, workplace uh, experience, those types of things. So I think it's important to know that there, it's it's a wider it's a wider net. So. Yeah, there 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 are many different dimensions of diversity. Even when you look at just one particular race, mm -hmm. there's diversity within that particular race. Everyone's the same color, but you have different age, different thoughts. So there's diversity of thought. So diversity is uh, ever evolving process and it encompasses so much. It just depends on what dimension or what area of diversity that we want to focus on to bring equity and inclusion. Yeah, no, I think it's a great point. You can't look at it static, it, it's dynamic. It's, mm -hmm. it's always changing and if, if you try to fit that into a box, you're never gonna be successful um, in right. the whole process. So what are some of the influences that really had an impact on your beliefs or, around diversity, equity, inclusion? Um, Julie, we'll start with you. Um, gosh, I think probably one of the early times was being in Girl Scouts. I think everyone came to your troop or everyone came to a district or an event and and everyone was an in individual and they were bringing their own experiences, their own life um, to a group to make that group better. And, it, and maybe it's simple description, but if everyone did that in real life, right, yeah. we could all bring the goodness in each of us and, and make the community better. Um, and, and so that was a, um, a very early memory that everyone was equal, everyone was the same, and we're all having fun together and we're all doing good in the world, right? So yeah. let's just translate that to adulthood for everyone, I guess. So yeah. it, it, it's funny, because I think when, when, when your children, because 
a lot of times biases are taught and, and you don't yeah. have those pre-conditioned thoughts or, around yeah. that. So. When you're a kid, it's easy, yeah, right? exactly. You just want to have fun and, and do good things. So. Yeah. Robert, what about you? What are, what are some things that have, have helped shape your Yeah, beliefs? well, it, it started for me probably back in 1994. I can remember because I kind of stumbled into this space. Mm -hmm. I was uh, in human resources and was asked to participate in a focus group where the organization was really looking to see was there any disparities in hiring, hiring and promotion. So I participated in this focus group and then that kind of spun into, okay, let's get a group together to start really understanding what is diversity. And that was back then when diversity was like a buzzword. Mm -hmm. And one of the individuals who we brought in to uh, help us learn more about diversity, his name was Roosevelt Thomas. Call him like the guru of diversity. And, and a couple of things he said that really stuck with me, he said, diversity is more than just race and gender, right? It's understanding diversity, managing diversity, and has an aspect of affirmative action. But he, he had these jelly beans in a jar, and he said that all these jelly beans are different colors, different sizes, different shapes, and how do they all work together? Uh, in, in, in a way that they're going to live together in that jar. And so early on, just really finding out what is diversity, again, more than just race and gender, but all aspects of it. So did a lot of learning about it. And one thing he said that diversity is a process and it will evolve and evolve depending on uh, who's at the table. And then later on in life, they, they started with diversity and inclusion, right? How do individuals feel like they could bring their whole self to their job? Or do they feel included in conversations and in decision making? And now the equity piece, how do we give those supports to those who don't start at the same place? That's a good point. That's a good point. So I, I think uh, for diversity, equity, inclusion to be successful, you it requires change right. um, to be able to do that. So let, let's talk about being advocates for change. I mean, why, why are you an advocate for change and helping support this whole process? I think I'm an advocate because um, I understand uh, how it is to be excluded, for one, um, and not saying that all exclusion is intentional, but when certain systems are put in place and rules are made and there's not a diversity of voices around the table, it's gonna be advantage to those who are around the table. So uh, I really advocate for more inclusion and really uh, changing systems. And the why I am an advocate because I feel that uh, there's so many people just need more education. Because again, it's not always intentional. We, it, mm -hmm. It's not always racism. It's sometimes just the lack of knowledge and mm -hmm. the lack of experience. A, a great example of that is, is with diversity is you get a lot of feedback or input and in, in different ideas from, from people. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, at least our, what our CEO always says is, is if everyone's thinking alike, then you're not thinking at all, right? So I think that's, that's key is, is getting that, those different perspectives. On, on how to do things um, just to, I know it just makes it more creative and, and more successful in, in the end. 
Right. And I think it also it, it comes into play when it starts to affect you, right? No. If, if it isn't in your world and you don't understand it and you don't have any knowledge or education about it, it doesn't affect you, so you probably don't even realize it's going on. And so it's not your fault. It's just you need to pay more attention and you need to be educated about it. And I think when we started our business 12 years ago, I think it came into a play from a woman perspective because we're a women-owned business in a male-dominated industry. And I started paying attention to the fact that, hey, wait a minute, you know, like, why are they always looking to see who I bring to my appointments with me? Like, why am I not enough? <laughs> and I was just like, you're right. I don't think they were intentionally saying I needed to bring someone. It's just I think people are in, a, in their own world. They don't know. And so I, um, I started learning more about it and then and paying more attention. And when you want to be at the table I think, and you finally are at the table, you want to bring other people with you. And it seems like a simple analogy, but why not encourage other women in the industry? And why not encourage minority and other companies to be successful? Why can't we all be successful? I don't think we do. I don't think there's a limited amount of success that people can have. So, No, I, I agree. And, and when you think about DE&I, it's, it's not a process. It, it's a journey. Um, when, when you go down that path. Mm -hmm. So I know, Julie, maybe you can talk about how your company has experienced it. Sure. And, and really focusing around the journey around implementing DEI right. in and, your company. And like you said, it's ongoing. You're always learning more. You're always trying to be better. I think, um, I think about five years ago, I think we really started to be more cognizant of the importance of it. Um, I participated, um, well, you know Veronica Cook at, at your Greater Akron Chamber. She has a consultant there with you. She used to be with Kent State um, and Diversity and, and Supply. And, and she has a program, Kent State Cons School of Construction Management or something with Turner. And uh, she called me and she said, you need to, to participate in this program. And I said, gosh, you know, I'm so busy. I don't have time. And she goes, you need to be there. And I was like, okay, Veronica spoke and I'm listening and I'm learning from, from her. Okay, so I go and, and how expansive our subcontractor base can be now based on new subcontractors we can meet, minority-owned businesses, women-owned businesses, different businesses that we never would have met maybe otherwise. And so to, to go through that program and learn, but I was thinking how how much our business can grow and how we can help other businesses grow. So that program helped us um, realize the importance. And also we have clients who are asking us to place an importance on supplier and vendor um, diversity, whether it be women-owned businesses or minority-owned businesses. So I think that has helped us too with clients who are requiring percentages of our work to be with those subcontractors. And, um, and maybe they have a, a requirement of 5%, 10%, but I'm seeing the opportunity where we can elevate that to 20 and 30% of subcontractors who are women-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses, and how to diversify those projects, right? We can, we, can, we can meet better subcontractors, we can meet different subcontractors, maybe get better pricing for our clients. So I, I think it's a win-win all the way around, so... No, that's okay. great. And, and it's nice just to see your enthusiasm and energy around the it, whole process. It's exciting because if more people can be successful, isn't that the point? So Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Now, Robert, like, when we talk about journeys, I guess in your role, you're probably helping people or companies develop those journeys. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe talk a little bit around that. 
Yeah, I, I say it's a process and a journey, right? Mm -hmm. Because it, it, it's a certain um, beginning where you start the process and then it's a never, it's ever evolving, but the journey continues and depending on where you are in that journey and at the Greater Akron Chamber, which I give a lot of credit to really taking the initiative as the convener and connector uh, for our business community. And the role that I'm in now with the Greater Akron Chamber was created because um, our major players came together. Uh, the city, the county, uh, the chamber, and the GAR Foundation. And I call it the, it was like the golden rule, right? He who has the gold rules. And those four entities are powerful in our community. So they came together and they did an economic study uh, on our region. And there were eight findings out of this study. And out of those findings, five strategies were created. And the study showed that the black population, which is the largest um, minority population in Summit County, had been excluded from opportunities. And they knew that if we do not level the playing field, it's gonna affect the whole community. It's going to affect our whole region if we don't level the playing field with those who have been systemically excluded from opportunities. So the chamber is the key connector and all the businesses have come together in an effort to help. How do we address inclusion as a community? So I uh, get a, a chance to staff a committee, the Equity and Inclusion Committee, which is comprised of about 40 organizations. And these, these organizations are who are giving input to what we do as it uh, pertains to inclusion. No, that's great. And, and one of the comments you made was was leveling the playing field. And, and I, I think that's key, especially when we think about the workforce or the environment of the workforce, because like most companies, it's hard to find employees right now mm -hmm. uh, out there. And, and everyone's going through that, that those same issues. But when we think about diversity, equity, inclusion, how can we use that to increase our candidates um, that we're looking for, for, for job opportunities? And right. I, I ask that question every day, and I'm actually Robert. I would ask you this question: Is how do we become partners in that in that search? Like, where where do we start? Like, how do we um, widen our search to be more inclusive? I would say that we reach out and be more inclusive in uh, expanding our networks mm -hmm. because most of the referrals stay within certain networks. So if you have 80% of the uh, those who are uh, making referrals in the same network, you're going to limit your ability to broaden that network. So partnerships, you know, because we always hear that same uh, question or it's not, a, I don't think it's an excuse, but it could be used as an excuse. Mm -hmm. I've tried and tried to uh, research or reach out to find diverse candidates, but I can't find them. And, you know, I always say, uh, depends on which pond you're fishing in. Are you fishing in the same pond or have you expanded your reach? And have you made partnerships with some, if you're looking for minorities, minority professional organizations, uh, NAACP, Akron Urban League. If you're looking for uh, more women in certain fields, there are professional women's groups in finance, in marketing. Are you reaching out to expand your network so that you can populate that pool with the best candidate. We're not going to hire, we're not asking 
asking folk to hire people because they might be a woman or a minority or LBGTQ. We want the best candidate. But if we're not reaching out to uh, ensure that we're getting the best candidate through the different networks, mm -hmm. then we could be a disadvantage of trying to find the best and brightest for these roles that we have. No, that's that's great. I know in, in conversations we've had, um, we've talked about job descriptions. And, and one of the things you mentioned, which I really liked was, is we gotta create the job description for the job and not the person we're trying to hire. And maybe elaborate a little bit yeah, more on that. Well, you know, in my previous career at SUMO, I was there for 30 years and I started off in human resources and I wrote job descriptions. I was in the compensation area. So I saw how job descriptions were created for the person and not the role. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes the person may leave, then you're stuck with the job description that really doesn't fit the role. And there's a lot of of biases in hiring practices as well. People hire people like them, but there's sometimes we negate the job description. Is a four-year degree, a master's degree really required or is it preferred? Because we could be missing an opportunity to get that all-star candidate because they don't have the degree, but they have years of experience. They have a, a lot of experience in that role. So we can be missing out and passing up the next all-star employee because we're eliminating them uh, with the job description before they even get to the table. Right, they don't even get the chance really. And if I might say too, one of the best practices now is uh, more group interviews. Right. Because sometimes um, nothing against HR professionals, but sometimes HR being the gatekeeper may um, miss that great candidate because they're going by the requirements and they may be the only person that's interviewing. But sometimes you need a diversity of thought when you're interviewing to uh, have diverse panels so that you can get different perspectives on what's the right fit for the role. No, that's, that's great. A great idea. Great information. So. Julie, how, how has DEI really impacted your company when you when you think about it? Well, I think it has made us better in being more inclusive of other companies that we can work with. Um, I think it makes us stronger too in that we can offer more to our clients. Um, you know, ultimately, construction boils down to what's the best price. You know, and if we have another criteria, I guess, to search out for those best prices. Um, if price were no issue, obviously that would be we would be having a totally different conversation, right? Mm -hmm. But it's always low bid or, or best bid. Um, and if you could get aside from that and be more inclusive in companies that they could have the best bid, but if we didn't even know they existed, how do we bring them to the table with us? So I think thank you for that advice on where we can go for maybe widening our our pond <laughs> um, I was I was thinking as we go as we go out to find a more diverse workforce our workforces everywhere are are either dwindled or dwindling or we have to be expanded um, in every industry you can talk about this every day of the week with every industry or every type of business and um, I just think if if we had some clues or some tips like you gave us so thank you for that I think it'll be helpful. Great. Now, as companies are, are looking to go down that process or journey of diversity, equity, inclusion, a lot of times they're going to 
and counter resistance in, in building that, that, that process or developing that journey. And maybe Robert, you can comment on, on some of those resistance that you've seen companies encounter through the whole process. Yeah, I, I think resistance is part of the journey because sometimes change is hard mm -hmm. for people. The no. Diversity is hard, inclusion is hard, equity is hard, and it's challenging work. And when you're used to the same old, same old, mm -hmm. it's hard to change because it's like, things working pretty good for me now, why would I want to change? So that resistance is expected, and I think we have to meet organizations where they are, and when we meet organizations where they are, we have to speak the language of the organization. This is how I think we can kind of flip the resistance because if an organization, if they're talking about uh, metrics or a safety, tie DE&I to the mission of the organization. Once you do that, then you have the organization leadership's ear because you're speaking the same language. Because you can tie diversity, equity, and inclusion to everything because it's part of everything. So it's all about how do we shape DEI and what does it mean for that respective organization as to where they are. Because once I think we show the profitability of being inclusive, because uh, inclusion drives profitability. And there's a lot of studies out there that shows that the more diverse your leadership team is, the more diverse your boards are, the more profitable those organizations are. So really speaking that language of the organization will help to curtail some of that existence. And we can't just, once we get existence, say, oh, they don't wanna do it, let's quit. No, let's just find the best way <laughs> in order to move forward. And that is speaking that language for, of the organization. Oh, that's great. And then once you, do or, or, or have that opportunity to onboard a diversified candidate, the next, I think, challenge is, is how do you support that, that individual right. um, through their, their work life or, and, and, and how they grow in the organization. Maybe, Julie, you can comment on that and, and how your company does that. Well, I think it's important to make sure everyone feels included, whether they're, they're coming from a diverse background or not. And so um, in, at Metis, it's a team approach. Um, you know, early on, we just wanted everyone to be heard and everyone to be valued. And um, it starts at any level. I mean, we have, and it, it's interesting in construction because you have people working in two different places. And I'm not talking about geographic necessarily because it, there's that too, uh, but you have an office and you have a field, you know, and sometimes there's a divide there because they don't understand what we have here. They don't understand what we're doing here. And so it was very important early on to make sure that everyone felt that they were part of that team. Um, and so we do a lot of things at Metis that are, are team-oriented or team-related. You know, you know, the company picnics or the, the evenings out or we go to the rubber ducks and we have the, the picnic on the, in the foul territory. And, and just a great opportunity to be inclusive. Everyone is welcome. It doesn't matter, but see, there are a lot of things that do matter. You know, there might be different holidays that someone wants to observe, or there might be um, different days of recognition. And so um, you want people to be able to feel comfortable in your workplace yeah. or in your, in your team to be able to say, I really need that day off, or I, can I switch up maybe this day for that day, or can, you know, can I take a PTO day for the... They should never feel uncomfortable asking that question. And, um, and, and you find that, you know, maybe you have someone on your team that doesn't celebrate their birthday. And, and I'm a birthday fanatic, like everyone should celebrate their birthday. And so trying to change your mindset in that is, is you know, I have 
too many. I have a lot of birthdays already that are mine. So I want to recognize everyone's. And so when someone doesn't, it's um, you have to get get used to that. How can I recognize that person differently that doesn't betray or doesn't conflict with their beliefs? And so I think it's just being open to that and being flexible, which we've all learned over the last year yeah. and a half. We all need to be more flexible. And so it, it could be anything. It doesn't have to just relate to um, diversity, but just being inclusive and flexible about all those different mm -hmm. beliefs. So, What Julie said was you have to create a culture, right, where people feel welcome, where they feel like their voice can be heard. And when we talk about recruiting, uh, you can have a stellar recruiting effort and recruit diverse candidates and hires, but if you don't have a retention plan, how do we retain them? Because people leave people. They don't always leave companies. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't take the time to find out why individuals left. And you have to really, it's not easy creating that culture. There's a saying that culture eats strategy for lunch. So you can have the best strategy around, but if the culture is not conducive, you're not going, that strategy is not going to be put forth. You know, personally speaking, I've always been uh, in the minority when it comes to the marketplace in the professional world. Uh, not only the male in where um, there wasn't many males and a black male. And so I would not feel comfortable all the time speaking up because the culture wasn't conducive. Because I'm like, if I say this, they're going to look at me like I'm crazy. Right. Or they going to think this or think that, you know, I've gotten older now and I can't shut up. But um, there 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 had to be a culture shift to make me feel comfortable like I can speak my mind in a respectful way, of right. course, but I can be myself. So we have to be conscious of how do we create a culture where people can bring their whole self to the organization and they can be who they are and not feel that they're going to be looked at differently because they're not part of the norm. So creating that culture where people feel welcome, uh, even little things of uh, pictures on the walls, does that uh, represent me? Does that does it feel like that I'm part of that or bringing them in on conversations to get their perspective? And then that creates that culture where you really want the um, individual to feel like this is your organization, you're an integral part of this organization, and we value your opinion. So like what impact does having a flexible work environment have on diversity, equity, and inclusion? I know it, it could have positive uh, implications, but I think it can also have negative implications. And Robert, I don't know, that's something you can comment on? Yeah, well, in a positive aspect, I think flexibility, uh, people want flexibility. You have um, families situations, you have mothers who have kids, and if you can make it more flexible for her to work and work from home or have flexible hours, she's gonna be, uh, or he's gonna be a better employee because of providing that flexibility. And it's about meeting people where they are. We have to think about what's the bottom line. We really want um, our employees to be productive. And if providing flexibility is gonna help keep production up, why wouldn't we do that? Mm -hmm. and, and, and we could be so stringent at times where we're missing out on allowing our employees to grow and, and professionally and personally by not being as flexible as we can. Right. 
Well, we also want to have them feeling valued. Yeah. And it's okay to leave a little early on Tuesday to take your daughter to or soccer games. Or, you know, if you have to be late on Friday because your son has a dentist appointment, people should feel that they're not like a prisoner at work. Like there's that flexibility that allows, and that goes back to culture, right? So if you always feel like I have to be in my seat from eight to five and I'm not allowed to leave except for lunch, people aren't going to like that. And you have a life. I mean, I, I'm a mom. I have family. Um, my daughter's older now and, and graduated from school. But um, back when I had to go to the soccer game or take her to the dentist, because those hours aren't, aren't always after work no. and on the weekends. So um, I remember that I always worked in a place that welcomed those things. And they were flexible with me. And I always wanted to take that. To, and so I'm glad we we're able to do that at Metis. That if someone needs to work from home on on a day because you know they're waiting for the repairman for their dishwasher, it's okay. You know, it, it, the company's not going to fold because you stayed home a half a day to, to meet the dishwasher guy. So I just think we have to be flexible. And and this last year and a half has has taught us that it's okay. Well, it'll I, work out. I think one of the keys is equity in that piece too, right? Is you got to make sure if you're going to allow your workforce to be flexible, they have to have the tools. To be successful right. and, and that's something you really have to take into consideration um, and it's just not just the tools but the systems and access mm -hmm. to to internet and, and and different needs that you you have to have to be to be flexible sure and and Kevin I was gonna hit on that point because some it depends on the role yeah. Of course. You can only be flexible as the role will allow it to sure. be. Correct. But there's still some aspects where you can add a little flexibility. We were talking and Julie was saying, well, in construction, you can't really work from home. No. I need you on the site. <laughs> right. But there's still some flexibility while you're on the site that, sure. you know, could come up some ways that's amenable uh, to the employee. Right. right. So I guess what are the long term implications if we ignore that? In, in the work environment, I guess when you look at companies, yeah. at your company. People you won't be happy, they won't stay, we won't be able to retain a, a strong um, developed workforce. It's going to be costly because how much do you spend in training and and equipment and, and you know just all of that to where every time you turn over, what do they say between six and $10,000 is spent just mm -hmm. on, on, on starting a new employee or onboarding with you know training and, and that whole process. and. It's expensive and it's time consuming and it's taking away from so many other things that you should be focused on and and I don't think I don't think companies want to be there I think it would be best to make sure that within reason your employees are happy they're satisfied with their work they're satisfied with their culture and um, and they feel welcomed in your in your team and I think long-term implications are you're going to not allow yourself to grow in ways that you could potentially grow. Uh, because I always say, you, you keep doing what you're doing, you're gonna always have what you have. Mm -hmm. So you ha if you wanna do something, if you want different results, you have to do things differently. Mm -hmm. And if you're fine where you are, that's okay. But I think you are limiting uh, the profitability of your organization, you are limiting the potential to uh, increase your reach with the, your products and services uh, by not being inclusive because the world has changed. Mm -hmm. And you know you have generations, different generations that are in the workplace and right. some generations, they don't wanna be 
uh, nine to five. They yeah. want to work from home. Yeah. So you want to continue to uh, grow your business or be successful and profitable. Uh, the best thing to do is explore different ways of being more inclusive, more equitable, and more diverse. So what advice would you give companies in getting started? And, and where can they get help down this path? Sure. Or journey, I should say. Right. Um, you have to be open-minded, first and foremost. You have to be willing to be flexible. I'll let you handle the part about where they go, because I think you might know. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's important to even open that up to your team. Ask them what their thoughts are on the subject. Ask them, maybe they've been with you for a while, and maybe they have tips on how you could be better at it even, um, because they've seen some holes in it. Um, or maybe... Um, open up an opportunity for education or someone to come in and speak. But I know, I know Robert will know right where to go. <laughs> Why don't you tell them? <laughs> well, uh, you have to start somewhere. Sure. You know, and it depends on where you are in your organization, right? But there's a starting place for everyone. And I think being open to uh, wanting to start where you are and not thinking that you have to do this and do that, but what works for your respective organization? And start with one aspect of diversity that you wanna grow. Could be procurement, could be workforce, uh, could be a number of things, but start somewhere. And what we have uh, created at the Greater Akron Chamber is a DEI toolkit with a resource guide. And this toolkit, really, it gives you the opportunity to do an assessment, We've partnered with the uh, Greater Cleveland Partnership on an organizational equity assessment because you have to find out where you are and you have to define um, level set the organization with what do we mean by the terms diversity, equity and inclusion. So everyone's playing on the, out of the same playbook. So with this resource guide, it doesn't matter where you are in your journey that you can uh, get something out of it whether you advance, whether you're at the beginning, whether you're at the middle. Uh, and this resource guide kind of walks you through. You can develop an action plan through this resource guide, uh, through this toolkit. And then there's a resource guide that will give you resources on, uh, say you want to have crucial conversations within your organization. It'll give you resources. You want to start employee resource groups. It'll give you resources. So this is a great way to start. And then you can get more one-on-one -on -one uh, assistance if you're a member of the chamber, mm -hmm. because then we want to make sure we provide uh, some tangible things for our members as well. But you don't have to be a member to get started with this uh, DEI toolkit. You can download the DEI toolkit by visiting our website at www.gacinclusion.com slash GAC dash DEI dash toolkit. Thank you again, both of you, you. For, for participating today in, in our podcast series on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so we always ask our guests, what's on your watch list? So it, it's a, a, like a, a topic that is relevant to you. It doesn't have to be about our conversation today, but what is something that's point of mind to you right now that you'd like to share with, with the audience? And, and Julie, I'll start with you. Well, travel. I'm, I'm really interested in how soon we can get on, on the road. But um, next month, we're going on a trip to Sedona. So I, we're, starting, we're starting very small, very short, but ultimately I'd like to get back on the road and, and do some traveling. So watching you know, numbers and hoping people are being healthy and safe and, 
and then hopefully we can get on the road and, and do some traveling. So. Yeah, it just feels like uh, we take two steps forward and one step back, and right. when can we kind of put everything through, I guess, behind us in the, in the rearview mirror and really... Robert, what about you? What's what's on your watch list? Or Well, with everything going on around the world, especially within our country, I'm really on my watch list interested in how we make necessary adjustments and acclimate our lives to this new normal because right now everyone is facing something with the pandemic and mm -hmm. just to see because uh, i know we're coming through this uh, and this just is a season of life for all of us but i'm really interested to see uh, how we navigate and, and another thing i'm really watching is our leaders mm. right how our leaders uh, who really speak diversity, equity, and inclusion, take action. Right. I'm really watching that as well, because uh, last year when the George Floyd epidemic hit, we had a lot of leaders uh, stepping up, making statements, organizations making statements. Um, so I'm really interested in how they're going to address uh, those statements in uh, action plans. So that's what I'm really watching for. Great. Well, great. Again, thank you both yep. for joining us thank here you. today. This Appreciate all Thanks. your insight. Sharing Knowledge is brought to you by Westfield Bank, hosted by Kevin Vondro, Chief Lending Officer. From the imagination and creativity of Chris Van Alsdale, Kartika Caffey, Elise Love, Suzanne Favre, Corinne Wilson, the Marketing Communications Strategist at Westfield Bank. Produced, edited, and mixed by Shark and Minnow. To learn more, visit westfield-bank.com forward slash SKS. Sharing knowledge and shedding light on the financial industry to empower financial freedom. The Sharing Knowledge series of videos, podcast episodes, articles are for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as legal, tax, financial investment, accounting, or regulatory advice. Opinions expressed and third-party information shared herein do not reflect the opinions of Westfield Bank, Westfield Group, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. The information shared does not constitute nor is intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any product or service. Testimonials may not be representative of the experience of other customers and are not guarantees of future performance or success. Bank products and services provided by Westfield Bank, member FDIC, an equal opportunity lender.